to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm Daryl Polis, and today I'm talking to Christina Camp from Little Sprouts Learning. And this is it. We talk about gardening with kids all the time on this show. You've heard me several times, but Christina is a specialist in this. She's a daycare provider and a family child care provider, I guess, is a better way because um, you're you're not one of these people that sit around and, and watches TV all day. You're really out there with the kids, um, working with them, playing with them, and, and guiding them. Christina, welcome. Thank you. How did you get involved in child care? Well, um, we moved to the town we live in in uh, northeast Oklahoma to for my husband to finish school. He had a practicum internship here. And I didn't know anybody, and our daughter was two, and we just came here. We didn't know a soul, so I didn't want to put her in daycare, so I decided to stay home with her, and then, you know, the neighbor needed somebody, and then, you know, I got licensed, and it just went from there, but I just found my calling that way, kind of fell into it at first. So you, what was your background? Did you have any background in like early childhood education or have you taken classes in, in this or is it just, or did you come by it naturally? I didn't have any background in it, but um, I just, you know, had worked clerical jobs before that and worked my husband through school until he got to the end when we were doing that. And then um, after I got licensed, I decided to get a CDA, Child Development Associate, and I just um, take classes and stuff all the time. But it's just more of a something that I was born to do. I just didn't know it until I started doing it. <laughs> well, I guess having your own little one to start practicing on is a help too, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, how many kids do you have um, in, in your daycare? I have eight. Um, we are allowed to have seven at a time, and two of them share. Um, one comes two days a week, and the other comes three days a week. So every day there's seven here. And what are their ages? The youngest is two right now, and the oldest is four. Is that pretty typical of the age group? Because, you know, I look at some of the videos, and I guess we should say that that you have a website, which is called littlesproutslearning.co, and you also blog under that same name. And you've got some marvelous videos of you out there with the kids and in the kitchen with the kids. Now, what kind of things can a two-year-old do out in the garden? A two-year-old can do all kind of stuff. Um, I just teach the kids, like, say we're planting seeds or whatever, and I say we need to put the seed one knuckle deep, and then I show them on their finger, like I'll do one for them, and then they'll push the seeds down that far. You know, some of them will push them further, but a preschool garden is not going to have perfection no matter how hard I try. So it's just whatever comes up, comes up, and you have to have that. Our gardens aren't perfect, perfect either, so I can't guess we can't complain about our preschoolers. So they can plant the seeds. What what other kinds of things do they do in there? They love to water. Um, they'll pick a few weeds, but they tire of that really fast. So that's mostly my husband and my job, which he helps me on the weekends catch up on the weeding and stuff. Um, they love to harvest stuff, and they learn how to tell when things are ripe and when they aren't learning their colors, learning the feel of the ripe vegetables and stuff as they've done it for a while. Of course, they don't know how to do that at first, but they learn a lot of stuff as they go along, and even two-year-olds can pick 
peas or tomatoes and stuff without um, making too many mistakes. Wow. You know, I hadn't really thought about it like that, but I guess that was the kind of stuff that I did because I started gardening. My mother and my grandmother would let me help in the garden, and I'm sure I wasn't very much help as I Mm -hmm. spilled water all over their shoes and stuff like that. But I guess that's just sort of the thing that you do. Now, have you always been a gardener? I've always wanted to be a gardener. My grandparents were farmers, and my family still farms. Um, my mom always had a really green thumb and had great house plants and stuff, and I just never could grow anything. And since I've been an adult, I've tried to grow gardens, but I never, like, I have no natural instinct. I'm, I'm the black thumbs of death. <laughs> so, <laughs> at, over time, you know, I just kept trying, and we would have this problem and that problem, and something would happen, like, too much grass would get in the garden, so I'd try to plant it in the shade where there wasn't any grass. I just had no instincts. <laughs> so the um, um, smart stuff. You know, I wonder, do, do people actually have garden instincts, or is it more that you just observe and you learn from watching people or watching a TV show or um, and then getting out and doing it and making mistakes? I guess maybe I know in like my... I just well, but you know, if your if your parents were farmers, then you wouldn't necessarily have been out there learning how to grow a vegetable garden, would you? Right. I spent a lot of time in my grandma's vegetable garden, though. She she oh, that's good. a lot of their food. But then um, uh, we had a class offered to us. My friend called me and said, "Hey, do you want to take this class with me?" And it was um, Cherokee Nation and Smart Start in the health department and. Um, the junior master gardener through 4-H had gotten together and done a class where um, we got to know, like, Gardening 101. We got to take 15 hours of, like, how to do the gardening. And then we got a, a 3 by 10 raised bed, the soil to go in it, plants and seeds and um, tools to use with the kids, plus, like, curriculum items like vegetable puzzles or games and different things that we could use inside the house that, made the gardening go throughout our curriculum and I just learned stuff I learned so much from that teacher he was like um well you can't plant things in clay well I didn't know that clay suffocates your roots and that's all we have around here it's sure so you could mold this stuff (laughs) what we're growing on (laughs) so a lot of my failure was just that I didn't know you had to have soil that would breathe and so after that we were able to plant our little bed that they gave us and then we planted we um, built more and then we built more and then we have an empty field next to our house and the man was over there mowing it one day and my husband went out and asked him if we could you know expand our garden on it and he was like this is eight acres and you can have any of it you want to do anything you want on oh wow we built a 20 by 80 expansion to our garden and our backyard fence goes straight to the our gate goes straight to the gate to the little garden so it can meet our DHS requirements for safety for the kids. And um, that's about what we can handle right now because we have about 50 raised beds. And that's 50? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> you, the kids now, can learn so much in a small amount, though. But my goal is to grow most of the food they eat, and someday I'd like to get there. Wow, that is a lot of garden territory. 
When I started gardening, my mother had my brother dig up a three-by-three area. And now some people call those yardstick gardens. And because, you know, it's, it's the length of a yardstick. But that was about as much as I could handle when I was maybe three years old. Right. It was my very first own garden. So you've got now. How much? How much of the gardens do your do the kids go into? Certainly, certainly they don't. Do they garden in the whole big thing? Yeah, they go into all of it. And what we do is, um, we have everything prepared for them, like the soil and stuff, which is mostly just keeping it mulched over so that when they pull the mulch back to plant, it's the soil is good and fluffy and stuff. But um, they plant some of all the seeds when they get tired of it then I'll just come out in the evening and finish but I have some kids that don't ever get tired of it so usually they a couple of the kids are still left by the end of we plant usually one bed at a time or one row in a bed at a time and then we'll just go out there and do it every day during planting season and then um, when it's time to harvest we just go out there every day before they um, have their free time on the playground and they just pick whatever they want to pick and then we go back and play now, when you when they play, do they play with um, learning about vegetable stuff? Some, and some they just, you know, run and scream and holler. But, like, in our expansion garden, we all have to go in there together and close the gate. That's our requirements for safety. And um, I have, like, a ta- some tables in there and little plastic animals. Like, some of the kids are not interested in gardening, so they just play. Most of them will want to do it some of the time. Well, all of them want to do it some of the time, but most of them don't want to do it every day. So they just are able to come in and out of what we're doing. That makes sense because, you know, gardening, if you're doing it for a really long time, even for adults can get tedious, and kids have really short attention spans. So they've got something to do whether or not they're gardening. Now, do you have eyes in the back of your head so you can keep track of them all? I don't, but I mean, there's just, well, I sort of do, because you kind of do, but (laughs) I kind of have instincts, and I can kind of tell what they're doing by hearing, but I mean, we're in a small, fenced-in place, and I can see them no matter where I am at in the garden, and so I'll just, you know, help the child that's planting seeds, and then look up and scan what everybody else is doing, and then whenever we move to the other garden, we, we all go together, so I'm still supervising all of them. So do you have them line up and, and walk two by two Not from one two, place to another? Come on, and they all follow in a line because the gate is skinny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess that's one way to do it. Oh. You know, I'm trying to think back to my nursery school experience. My mother sent me to nursery school because there weren't any other kids in the neighborhood for me to play with and she wanted me to make sure that I had some play experience with kids and one of the I don't think we ever were allowed to garden but they had a sandbox and there was a wading pool for you know when it was warm enough which wasn't often in northern Illinois but um but I remember that some of us liked to play around in her flowers. She had some flowers right by the back porch. And those were always fascinating because they, they, she had things like geraniums that smelled different. So when, you, when you're out with the kids, do they, you mentioned that they plant and they water. Do they go around and sniff the different vegetables and the leaves and stuff? They do, and that's a, an amazing learning experience for them because from – zero to three, the most learning that happens is through your senses. 
And so all that sensory experience in the garden, if you can imagine all the smells, all the colors, all the sights, all the sounds, all the textures, it makes the gardening one of the most, I mean, it's the most learning experience thing I've ever found in my 21 years of watching kids. It just encompasses every part of your curriculum. So I saw something about teaching math and science and and some other things. Um, when we come back um, after we take a little break, and I should tell people that the reason I'm taking a break now a little early is because I'm about to cough. <laughs> we'll come back and talk about more of that right after this. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, You can rest assured, knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. My guest today is Christina Camp, who is a family child care provider. And I should tell you, folks, in case you wonder why we sound weird, um, she's still in the middle of Bradford pear season where she lives, and our pollen count was over 4,000 one day this week. And even though we had some rain, it is not gone by any means. So I'm coughing and choking, and... uh, so if you hear something weird, that's, that's just it. It's either that or a cat. Anyway, right before the break, Christina, we were talking about teaching math and science in the garden. Now, what kind of activities might somebody do with their own child to get them, and, and what kind of things, how do you go about it? 
Well, there's so many things that just naturally occur, and the best learning for kids is what just naturally occurs. That's what they're going to be the most interested in. So think about, you know, finding a ladybug or showing the kids what bugs are beneficial for the garden and what are damaging to the garden, like you can point out different things. Um, My kids will like to pick squash beetles. Some of the kids do. Some of them don't. But they know that that ruins the garden. Um, They know that ladybugs are good for the garden and praying mantises. And we plant fennel so we can find um, caterpillars. We have black swallowtails like crazy here. So we'll take like three or four caterpillars into the house in a box with air holes in it and we'll put fresh fennel in there every day so that we can watch them as they grow. And then um, we watch them outside too, but that's a great way for them to get really close up on them without hurting them or anything, to have them in a clear box. And then watch them metamorphosis, and that's an an amazing lesson. And then we'll usually do like... um, I'll let the kids paint a coffee filter, and then I'll let them make a little caterpillar on a little clothespin, and then we make a toilet paper tube chrysalis and cover the ends of it with tissue paper. (laughs) And then whenever they're gone, I'll take the little coffee filter that they painted, and I'll pinch it in the thing so it makes the caterpillar into a butterfly, and then I'll put them back in the chrysalises, and we have them hanging up in the house, and then we pull them (laughs) out, and they're a butterfly and then they they puff out the wings for them and stuff but then they after that then we get them from outside so it just stretches the learning so it reinforces it and we read books about it and stuff so it's just a natural what what can you find out there and um you know life cycles and entomology and biology and botany and there's just there's so much that you don't think about because it's just something that we don't pay attention to as adults most of the time and then for math you know, one knuckle deep, two knuckles deep, um, how much water something needs, like volume. Uh, just digging in the dirt is an ex- a volume experience for kids, just digging in plain dirt without any planting going on. We measure how tall the plants are. Um, one year we had okra that was so tall, even I had to bend it over to um, pick it. It was like, I think it was 14 feet tall. Oh, wow. Yeah, what did you cut- feed it? <laughs> just compost Um, we cut the stalks and laid it out on the sidewalk and then we saw how many kids tall it was you know we did a lot of um, graphing and recording of all that stuff and took pictures of it and stuff like that and then um, counting your seeds counting your harvest weighing your harvest you know how many pounds of tomatoes did we get it's just it's endless the lessons you can get there and all these camps are under are four and under Right now they are. Um, I've had, I used to keep school-age children, so I had kids that were up to 12 here. And then um, the last two years I've only kept the the two to five range. And sometimes I have a one-year-old, like right at the beginning, they'll still be one when they start. If they're about to turn two, I'll take them a few months early. But even a one-year-old that's about to turn two can do a lot of the stuff. It's amazing. It's A lot of it's just repetition, though. You just keep repeating the same stuff. And, like, um, we were having lunch one day this week, and when it, we I got some fried okra out of the freezer and fried it up for the kids. I had forgotten about it, so we have a lot of it left. And um, they love it, and so they were really excited. And one little girl was eating, and she was like, okra grows on a plant that's really tall. She remembered that we <laughs> measured from last year. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm winning. But she said... Um, <laughs> And everybody's like, yeah, it's really tall. And then they were like, and it's really skinny, somebody said. 
so they remembered that it was a real tall stalk. And she and then she was talking about how funny the pods look. So all I had was this cut up breaded, you know, fried okra, and she was remembering everything about the experience from that growing and how it grew and how we got it off of there and how tall it was. And we ended up having a 20-minute conversation about how food grows in the garden. So that was, like, really exciting for me. (laughs) That is cool. I always enjoyed when I would see kids, you know, I would teach mostly, I was teaching kindergartners and some fourth and fifth graders. And I didn't teach the second and third grader very often, but to see them come, to have them come up to me and tell me something that they had learned the previous year was always such a kick. You know mm-hmm. that you're making a difference. Right. And it's really working. <laughs> it really is. And, and as you said, this is how kids learn normally. But I'm really concerned about a lot of children today that aren't having the chance to learn as your pupils do. Mm-hmm. Or as I did when I was a kid, learning by doing, and and as you said, it kind of it just kind of sinks in when they do it over and over again, mm-hmm. and I think that's wonderful. But I just I'm so concerned about today's kids growing up that have computer screens instead of dirt on their hands. Now, speaking of dirt, I, I guess we could call it soil because gardens soil is not dirt. Um, what do the parents say when the kids? When they pick up the kids and they're filthy? Well, (laughs) we try to keep it as neat as possible, and we have, like, gravel all around our beds so their shoes don't get muddy. And, you know, of course, when we come in, we wash up and stuff. And, you know, when they come to interview, I'm like, don't. Don't send them over here in their church clothes because we are going to be outside and, you know, we get messy inside. We paint and stuff, um, Play-Doh, stuff is going to get on them. And nobody really complains about it because they just know that, I just guess I'm lucky that most of my parents realize that that's how they learn. I know that not everybody is, you know, not everybody thinks that because I hear other providers um, getting flack for the same thing, but my people just don't. I guess they just understand what it is when they come here. Well, and I guess that they come here, come to you with their children because they've heard about you from somebody else, don't they? Right. Word of mouth is how you get business in this. And so they get to, they know what kind of activities that the kids are going to be doing. Mm-hmm. I guess that helps. And then with the extra warning. I remember when I was in nursery school, um, we always had to bring one of our daddy's shirts along so we could use it for a smock. Uh-huh. So we wouldn't get so filthy. And, it, yeah, that's funny. I remember that 63, 64 years later. That's just crazy. So you mentioned you mentioned on math. So the math is mostly counting. And counting, sorting, measuring, that kind of stuff, yeah. What kind of what kind of sorting do they do? Um, like they can they're sorting uh, green tomatoes from red tomatoes when they pick them. Like the whole process of choosing uh, ripe or unripe is a sorting process. And then we'll take our stuff inside a lot of times, or do it on the table outside and like sort them by color or count them. Just using whatever's around you to to give life lessons to the kids because when they go to the grocery store someday or grow their own food they're going to need to know you know how to count it's just natural life lessons you need to know how many pounds of something you need to make a recipe or you need to know you know that kind of stuff so 
Now, you mentioned recipes. I've seen pictures of you with those really little ones in the kitchen with you. Mm-hmm. What, what all do you do? I remember one time, I guess you were making bread or a cake or something like that. So what do the littlest ones do? Um, well, when you're going to cook with kids, it's important to uh, have everything ready ahead of time because it can turn into a disaster if you don't have all your supplies prepared. So I'll take, like, um, maybe the flour. Say if you're making a cake, I'll take the flour and measure it out into one-cup measures and have that setting on a tray so that the little, when, there's, when there's little bitty kids, so that they just take one cup and dump it in, and then the next person has a turn to take one cup and dump it in. If they're older, I let them scoop it out of the flour bin, and we talk about it being one cup, but it just depends on the age of the child. And then, you know, cracking eggs is always a big issue, them learning how to crack them without just blowing them all over the table or the floor. <laughs> That's a messy job, but, you know, some of my kids can do it now because we do it so much. And so some of them don't like it because they hate the way it feels when it just plops everywhere and they don't want to try it again. But I try to encourage (laughs) them to try it anyway. (laughs) Well, it it is kind of gross, especially when they're cold. And, you know, mm-hmm. you take them out of the refrigerator, and then if you have one break in your hand, that, that's pretty gross. Yeah. And sometimes they, you know, go all over everybody. It, it can get pretty crazy. But I just have oh, extra yeah. stuff there, and if, if the whole egg goes everywhere and I can't just swish it off the table into a bowl, then I'll give them another one, and we try it again. So, the, you know, they can all stir. They can all um, dump stuff. It's funny how, like, when the youngest kids will start – dumping stuff, the older ones that made a mess, you know, in previous years or weeks or whatever, they get all nervous because they're afraid they're going to dump it everywhere. <laughs> so they kind of get the experience of knowing how I feel, too. <laughs> where where do you get your patience from? Oh I don't think gosh, I would have the, the patience kids. to clean up after seven little ones making a mess in the kitchen. I'm just not a patient person at all, but I've just, they've taught it to me because they deserve to be, you know, they deserve to get to learn. They deserve to be able to learn without somebody being all, oh, you're making a mess, Adam, you know. And I've just learned over the years to be more laid back. I'm not at all a laid back person. <laughs> Everybody says, you must be the most patient person in the world. And I'm like, really, I'm not. But the kids bring it out of you. They help you learn. Well, if, you're, if, if you go into it as you have with the philosophy that a child has the right to learn, without being made fun of or without being disparaged or without being told that they're terrible for making a mess, I guess that that's just your your mindset and you get into this and you're going to prevent every, you know, it's like sometimes when I would like to strangle one of my cats because they've, you know, torn up the entire roll of paper, the toilet paper or something like that, you just don't because they're cats, right. you know? And, I, you know, I'm not perfect, and I do make mistakes, but I learned a lot of it from just experience of, you know, we made this recipe and everybody was miserable, so next time I don't want to do that. And over 21 years, and, you know, torturing my own daughter when she was a baby, <laughs> you learn a lot of things that you wish you did differently, and then you do them differently. And so, you know, the kids teach you to you. I guess that's why grandparents sometimes have better luck raising 
you know, exactly. a babysitting their, <laughs> than, than their parents do. Because right. they've made the mistakes. They, they know what goes into it. And that's, you know, that's the whole thing about being a gardener, too. Because if you're a gardener, you're going to make mistakes. And you just change a little bit of the way that you, you do it. Now, you mentioned that you do you make cakes with them. What other kinds of things can the kids help you with? Certainly you don't get them involved in actual cooking, do you? Um, sometimes, like if we make um, a stir-fry or like a pasta dish, I'll let them get on the step stool and dump stuff into the skillet. But I try to um, be really careful because I don't want them to get burned or hurt or anything. But um, most of the time I'll just take it into the other room and put it in the oven while they wait at the table. If it's like putting in a cake or cookies where I'm just afraid someone will stick their fingers on the door of the oven or something. But, you know, yeah. it depends on the age of the kids because when I had the older kids, they would do it the, all of the steps because they were able to, you know, be tall enough to stand up there and stir. Okay. We have to take a little break, but we'll be right back after this. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick steaks, Q-U-I-K steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. America's Homegrown Veggie Show. I'm Daryl Pullis, and today I'm talking to Christina Camp, who is a family child care provider and a very unique one. I think Christina was the first and probably the only person so far that I have seen that is actively out in the garden with the kids, helping the kids to plant and to harvest and using that all for teaching experience. Do you know of any others, Christina, or you you making this up as you go along? Or I know I you've helped know. some other people. I do know a few people that do it. We have a um, Facebook group called Kids in Gardens, and it has quite a few people from all over the country, maybe um, 150 or so, and they're all either wanting to start or they do it now. I know that... Um, 
across the state from me, there's a YMCA that has a great garden program, and they just got a huge grant to make like get a greenhouse and expand it into a really neat program. But they've been gardening for several years um, with like after school school-age kids and in the summer. Um, there's other people in my town that have, like, the little raised beds that we got to start with. Other people have gotten those and are still using them. So other people are doing it too, and we're all kind of encouraging each other and learning from each other. This is our fifth season to plant ours, so we're not like master gardeners over here. <laughs> uh- I was just surprised. I know that there are a lot of programs for older children, but I didn't know, I haven't seen real little ones like yours yeah, out in the garden like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about kids and gardens. And have you ever come across anything that the kids are just flat out not going to eat? I mean, sure, there's always going to be. You know, some kids are pickier. Some kids like everything. Some There's some things that none of us have been able to like, um, like beets. We tried them every way we could try them, and none of us liked them. <laughs> you know, we're, we learned to like them. Did you pickle them? Did you pickle them? No, I didn't try that. I, think, and I didn't much care for the texture of beets for a long, long time, but I did like pickled beets, the little ones. And I tried that. Um, and I understand that there is a variety, and I think the variety is called avalanche, that doesn't taste as, like, earthy as some mm-hmm. beets do. I would like and it. And I think, I think <laughs> that, the, that the eating dirt part, I mean, yeah. as much as kids eat a lot of dirt when they're out in the garden, <laughs> it, it's just not something that they want to eat. Right. In their food. I find that over time, as we plant and harvest it, once they harvest it and then they help cook it, and they're just interested in it by then. And I found that for myself because when we started, I started trying to change our diet and get healthier um, from the standard American diet to eating whole foods and stuff. I didn't like hardly anything but maybe corn and it just over over time reading about it, I would read about, you know, Brussels sprouts, and I think that sounds good, and then I'd try them, and I was like, well, it's not really that good, and then over time <laughs> of eating it, then I just, I love them, and so it's the same with the kids. When they first come in, they don't, um, you know, embrace everything, and some of them kind of act like they don't even know what that it's food, <laughs> because they're, it's totally different from what some kids are used to eating, and so they sure. were after you expose them to it a few times and they see everybody eating it and then they try it and then the next time they might try two bites and I see kids like thinking about it and looking at everybody else like I have a little boy that doesn't like cheese and just this week I saw him watching everybody eating the cheese and he picked up the cheese again and ate a bite of it and then he put it down and drank a bunch of milk he didn't like it but it's like the peer pressure and the repetition of it makes you interested in it and that's how I get them to be interested in so many more things than they would have just perseverance perseverance yeah and I understand from some studies that were done that it takes a person something like three or four different tries with a new food to get their taste buds and their brain thinking that yeah this is food and not poison right of course you couldn't have persuaded me of that when the cafeteria ladies used to feed us that boiled spinach that was so overcooked that the green water ran off of it. (laughs) And that's what people are used to thinking of Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts are magnificent, but when you get them at 
Western Sizzlin or the school cafeteria, they are not good. <laughs> they are so got... overdone. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and my my husband does not like Brussels sprouts. I was hoping to have a good enough crop for him so that I could roast them because a number of people have said that they really like them roasted with a little bit of really olive, olive oil and garlic. Mm-hmm. But his mother used to serve the frozen ones and, yes. you know, kind of overcook them. And on the other hand, she must have done something right because he likes to eat spinach. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't think she overcooked that either. Right, and you have to try them different ways because, um, you know, you might not like them boiled or steamed, but you may love them roasted. So we just do a big variety of ways. And the kids love most things roasted, so we roast a lot of our vegetables. Yeah, well, roasting, that makes sense because roasting is drying off some of the moisture so that the flavors are more concentrated. And it also, the when the sugars are caramelized um, by roasting, yeah. it, it makes them sweeter, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's that, that, makes, that makes a lot of sense. And, and, of course, roasting is a pretty easy thing to do, too, because you can mm-hmm. put everything in the oven and, and go do something else for a while. Right. I love that part. That's, that's yeah. <laughs> Do you ever get a chance to sit down with your feet up during the day? I don't very often, but I, when they're taking a nap, I'll usually get several of my chores done and then take a little resty poop. <laughs> Not a nap. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't do that, but I do put my feet up sometimes. Well, I can't imagine napping and worrying about one of the kids getting into something or getting out the door. Right, I you know, it seems like just about every year you see something about some child that's gotten out the doors and is wandering around in the road. That's it's just mm-hmm. too scary to so contemplate, scary. isn't it? Yep, we yep. keep them all locked up. Do you have, a, do the kids have a favorite vegetable that they like to eat? I would say probably the most popular vegetable here is broccoli. There, I don't have anybody that doesn't like broccoli. Brussels sprouts. Probably maybe one person doesn't like them. Um, they love raw carrots. That's one of the favorites. They don't like them as well cooked. They We had them this week, and I roasted some of them because we just had a few left, and I mixed it with a few asparagus sprigs that were coming up in the garden and a few, you know, just like pieces and pieces. So I put the carrots in there, and somebody said, I wish these were hard. <laughs> That's AKA, I didn't want you to cook these. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're they're pretty. There's a lot of really healthy things they really like. I'm surprised to hear that they like broccoli because that's one of those things that, you know, especially for people that are super tasters, that can taste very bitter and unpleasant. How do you get the kids to eat the broccoli? I bet you there's a dozen mothers out there wanting to know how you get the kids to eat broccoli. Do you drown it and dip, or what do you do? Nope, it just has, um, I roast it most of the time. I will steam it sometimes, but, you know, they like it better roasted, and so do I. So I just put salt, pepper, olive oil, roast it in the oven. Wow. And the tops, the tops don't dry out when you do that? Mm-mm. Huh. That's it's a cool amazing. thing. <laughs> now, do you do do you grow turnip greens with the kids? I don't. That's an, that's my other thing. I haven't been able to figure out how to like <laughs> turnips and beets. I just 
can't do it. <laughs> well, I was, when I moved south, of course, I had never had a turnip green in my entire life, or a collard green either, for that matter, though we did eat, eat turnips, you know, the turnip roots. Mm-hmm. But um, my neighbor would cook them with a lot of, um, a lot of, well, she used side meat, um, which is fairly common in the south. A lot of people will use a ham or a, a chunk of ham or some bacon, something like that, and vinegar. Mm-hmm. And that made it palatable. Now I like them anyway, you know, even if they're not all, all gooed up like that. But I was really surprised when I had the kids' gardening program in the schools here and that the kids that swore up and down that they were not going to eat turnip greens when after they had grown it and the teacher prepared it, you know, with the side meat and the, and the, a little bit of vinegar, um, they just gobbled them up. Mm-hmm. And, and we've, seen, we've tried different kind of greens, and we've tried <clears throat> different methods, and I had several people teach me, my mom and my aunt and stuff, how to make them good, but <clears throat> they're pretty strong in flavor for such young kids, and I guess that's why I never could get them to go over very well. But we eat the greens off of our kohlrabi, and we eat kale and spinach, and the greens off the Brussels sprouts, and the, the small greens off the broccoli, and they'll eat stuff like that, but the the... You know, traditional greens are just too strong for them, I guess. I never could get them to love them. Uh, now, that's, it, that's really interesting. And I'm wondering, are you harvesting the greens when they're little or waiting until you have roots? On the, um, On the like turnip, turnip green. greens? I just yeah. have bought them at the farmer's market. We've never grown turnips. Oh, well, they're, they're terrible. <laughs> I didn't mean that because, you know, some people at farmer's markets do grow very nice turnip greens, but you don't get the benefit of the the very young, tender leaves. Mm -hmm. And, of course, a lot of farmer's markets don't operate in the wintertime, which is when you can get, at least in the south, when you can get some decent turnip greens because if they're grown in hot weather, if they're stressed at all by either warm weather or drought, um, the greens, yeah, they tend to be kind of bitter. They're very strong flavored. And, and of course, commercial places want to harvest a fairly large amount of leaf for the, right. uh, for the batches. And when they're best is when they're just little, little, you know, small greens, not as, even as big as the palm of your hand. Like the little small greens that we take off the broccoli and stuff. I see what you're saying. Right. That's it. Try that, then. Yeah, and and now it's getting it's going to be too hot in your part of the world to grow them. So wait until until like, um, I guess around here we would plant maybe in mid August and harvest them. In some years we can harvest straight through, but with a little bit of covering. But uh, what you want them to be growing mostly when it's quite cool, and when you can manage the moisture. And they're fairly heavy feeders, too. So, But if you can grow 14-foot okra, I don't think we have to worry about that. I, I, I can't imagine 14-foot okra. I thought I was very proud of myself because I had 9-foot okra. I just... I don't know. Um, Our okra is always huge. I don't know why. Huh. What variety are you growing? Um, we do the Clemson Spineless and the Star of David, usually. 
Oh, I don't. I'm not familiar with Star of David. Clemson Spinelet is, is what pretty much everybody does here. I've grown some different colored okra that I wasn't all that thrilled with, but um, but Clemson Spinelet is pretty much those really big fat pods, which I like them because it's easier to cut them up and cook them. But yeah, you got a point there. <laughs> And, and you don't have to pick so many to make a meal either. Right. Oh, we have to take another little break, but we'll come back right after. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare. But for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call. And I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you. Welcome back to America's Homegrown Veggie Show. This week, my guest is Christina Camp, who is um, a family child care provider with a twist. She doesn't just take care of the little guys, but she gets them out in the garden and in the kitchen with her. And I am just blown away by looking at some of the videos. Oh, and you did a video, was that for Oklahoma Public TV? Mm -hmm. We were on Oklahoma Gardening um, in their Gardening with Kids segment. Is that available on the website someplace on Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. You can go to oklahomagardening.com, and it's um, part of Oklahoma State University, and they have a whole section on there, and then all the um, past shows are on the YouTube. So they get to see you in the garden with kids. Mm-hmm. It, that, was, that was fun to watch them running around. Um, <laughs> and, and the pictures that you have on your Facebook page never cease to amaze me. The kids are doing things that I... You know, I wouldn't have thought that possible. 
I guess maybe because I don't know, know kids all that well. But for you to wrangle seven children and get them cooking and planting and stuff like that, that's really special. I was going to ask you, do you grow herbs for the kids, too? You mentioned the sensory part of being out in the garden. Mm-hmm. We have a whole herb tower in our big garden, and then I, I keep um, pots of herbs by the back door so I can snatch them for our dinner and stuff. But um, they they love the different smells of the herbs. Um, we grow mint, uh, thyme, oregano, of course the fennel. We don't really eat the fennel, though, because we let the caterpillars eat it, but occasionally we'll eat a little bit of it, but we like the smell of it. Dill, which is also a good caterpillar attractor. Parsley, cilantro, um, all kind of herbs. Do the kids eat cilantro? When I put it in their food, they do, yeah. They like to taste it, you know, but not eat handfuls of it. But I put it in the food that they eat. And um, some of the kids eat cilantro at home, so they take home, um, you know, big Ah, handfuls. I was going to ask, do the kids kids ever bring home any of the garden produce? Do you send them home with extras sometimes, or Mm -hmm. do you keep that all for feeding them? Well, like, of course, there's always surplus of stuff. Like, we can't always use all the tomatoes, which um, I don't buy canned tomato products, and we're not allowed to serve home canned foods to the kids, according to DHS and the USDA. Both um, prevent that, so we freeze it, and I make um, roasted tomato sauce, and then grind it up in the blender and put it in the freezer, and so that's how we get our tomato sauce. Um, But whenever there's too much for me to put up, then the kids get to take it home. So sometimes they might get, you know, three pea pods, and sometimes they might get three pounds. (laughs) (laughs) This depends on what there is, but the the parents love taking it home because most of them are really into, you know, feeding their kids fresh at home too. Now, how many parents have gotten inspired by seeing their kids learn to garden and have started a garden of their own at home? Have you ever asked? Several people have. Um, They usually tell me whenever they start one up. Several people just let their kids play around with it on their own, and some people have built um, raised beds at home. I have a family that's building a new one this year, too. (coughs) That's nice that you can spread the knowledge not not just to the children but to their parents too did you know that that's one of the reasons that 4-H was started so that the 4-H leaders the extension agents could teach the kids in 4-H about all these new agriculture and farming techniques and then the kids would be able to take it home and teach their parents that's very cool I didn't know that until I worked for extension and that makes perfectly good sense to me now so you mentioned that the kids like broccoli and that just blows me away I just <laughs> I you know because I'm trying to think how many people how many kids I've seen that that eat broccoli and usually they kind of turn up their noses at it but you said you roast it you don't boil it or and or steam it most of the time is that right I do occasionally, but most of the time I roast it because it just, you know, it just tastes better. That's very interesting. So, people, one of the takeaways that parents can try if their kids haven't been eating um, their veggies is to try roasting them instead of boiling them and, or even microwaving them. Because I think, like like your kid, one, one of your students mentioned, you know, that, 
they get mushy when they're when they're cooked. And mushy can be a good thing sometimes, but but not always. Now, and and you give the kids all these vegetables when you're serving them the raw carrots and stuff. Do you you never give them dip? You just it's just plain old bare naked carrots. Right. I I don't give them dip. <laughs> good for you. Good for you. Start them off right. I, I think that's marvelous. Now, um, I have, what else do you find that they haven't liked? And and is there anything that they like a whole lot besides broccoli? Um, the little peas that you can shell out of the, they call them popping peas. But um, oh. you can pop your own peas. They like that. Which, to me, that's like one of the best things ever about growing vegetables is getting those. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. A lot of kids like those, and I let them peel them themselves when they're eating them because that's a really good um, fine motor skill for them to learn. Um, <clears throat> of course, I do it for the little bitty young ones. But Well, um, you and you mentioned fine motor skills. I think that that's something else that parents and, and I guess most teachers do think about it, but maybe most parents don't, that they have to develop those fine motor skills to be able to do so much else. Right. And that's for their writing skills and all kinds of things for their future. So um, I always have that in mind. How could I enhance the experience for them? Now, what might you do besides having them show their own peas? Um, there's lots of activities like building with blocks or um, <clears throat> doing Play-Doh. That kind of stuff all strengthens the muscles in their hands. And there's a lot of experiences like that in the garden. Like, you know, you can clump the soil together to see how much clay is in it. And that's similar to the Play-Doh experience. Um, the picking, you know, using their pincher grasp to pick the different things that they're harvesting, putting the seeds in the ground, holding the little tiny seeds in their hand, anything that includes your pincher grasp, all kind of stuff. It's just all over the garden. Hmm. That sounds fun. I have never, of course, I never worked with kids that young, but there is, where did you learn all this stuff? Was this all taught in that, you know, 15-hour course that you took? It Certainly it couldn't have been. No, just from all the classes that I've taken over the years. I try to go to any training that I can um, to learn about child development because I'm just interested in it. So uh, I just learn little bits and pieces here and there, and then I just keep it in mind whenever I'm planning stuff for the kids to do. You know, you fascinate me. You take the time to do that because you love it. Even on top of all the stuff that you have to jump through hoops for the state government mm -hmm. to run a daycare. Yeah. <laughs> i got to admire somebody that does that. But I'm like that, too. I get interested in a subject, and I will go back and take whatever classes that I can just because I'm interested. Now, we've only got about five minutes left, but... You mentioned the Kids and Gardens website, or is that a Facebook group? It's a Facebook group, so people can come in there. We, we help each other ask questions, answer questions, um, to encourage each other to be in the garden with kids. Now, is that um, mostly daycare providers or people that want to do that, or is this a lot of parents, too? It's all kind of people. It's parents, grandparents, um, school garden people, daycare garden people. It's all different ages. Like somebody was asking a question on there today about if all of her kids were under two, would you still do a garden? And I was like, yes, because they still have the sensory <laughs> experience and they can still eat it and they can still watch, you know, and you can guide them to plant the things and pick them. So. Yeah, 
And and they learn good health habits, too, like washing their hands coming in from the garden and washing their food real good and things like that, too, I guess. Exactly. Now, so there's the Kids and Gardens on the Facebook page. You mentioned OklahomaGardening.com, and your website is learning, LittleSproutsLearning.co. How come you have CO instead of com? Or was that already taken? I don't taken? know. It was just a- <laughs> Just an accident. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, and and so you blog, and you have tips, and you have videos of the kids and stuff like that. And right now, I am battling a cat that is right up in front of my screen. (laughs) I can't do a thing with her. Do you have any other sources where people might go for more information on gardening with kids? Um, like I have my own Facebook page, the Little Sprouts Learning Garden, and Twitter. Um, we have a YouTube channel, Little Sprouts Learning, that has um, videos that show you actually how to help kids put the seeds in the ground, or you know how to plant potatoes, or different how to get started gardening with kids. We have a great video that we just had produced um, that get, takes you from the beginning to the end if you don't know anything of how to do it. So. So if somebody, uh, some parent or aunt or uncle or grandparent is out there and they've never gardened, you can help them learn how to do that. Right. I'm here to help the beginners like me. Well, we're all beginners at some point in our in our life. There's just and and you know every year to me is a new beginning when I get out in the garden and I discover some something else, some new creature or or. Something, you know, like I I discovered last fall when I was planting um, a nice little raised bed, a grow box that I was given to sample, and it came with organic fertilizer. And I learned right then and there that you don't want to use the stuff that has feather meal in it if you have raccoons in the neighborhood, (laughs) because one of them got right in there and, and just ripped the heck out of it. Oh, no. So, um, so there's, we all learn all the time. I think that's absolutely marvelous. And I, for those people that would like to do this on a, in a grade school, I have some old programs that I used to do. They have little things like word search games and little math puzzles and, mm-hmm. and things like that in addition to the regular curriculum. And there are some wonderful authors out there um, that have done some good books on gardening with kids. One of them that, that people might be interested in is Roots, Shoots, Buckets, and Boots. And it was done, I think, by Ann Lovejoy, and it's um, it's just a really cute book on gardening with kids. She so it's out there, folks. You do? What Do you have she, one that you like particularly? No, she, she has several. She has, like, toe oh, yes. cottages and... Um, all kind of different books about gardening with kids. And also, like if you're looking for curriculum, they have free curriculum on the USDA website. That's called Grow It, Try It, Like It. And oh. you, you can get um, the Junior Master Gardener program is excellent through the, um, I think that's from the Georgia um Yeah, um, the Junior Master Gardeners was done by, a group of master gardeners in Texas. They started it, and now it's available um, in any state with an extension office, which is all of them. So we're about out of time for this week, but thank you so much for being with me today, Christina. I hope that 
our listeners will discover that even if you're a beginner, you can do this. You can do this with kids. If you can do it, um, it takes a little bit of patience and a lot of love, I guess. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And we'll be back next week with more of growing vegetables. And I don't know what our topic is going to be, but you know that it's going to be something interesting. Thank you for being with us this week, and we'll see you next week. This is America's Webradio.com, the best in chat radio designed just for you.